I don't predict a lot of things, but my five to 10 year prediction is that customer experience, you know, as, as cost of acquisition keeps going up and as Facebook keeps turning that dial, customer experience and retention are going to be the most important things and, and are going to grow massively um, in the next five to 10 years. You're listening to Customer Show, the podcast that explores what makes people tick, click, and buy. I'm your host, Caitlin Burgoyne. I'm a marketer by trade and a four-time founder by choice. And I believe whoever gets closer to the customer wins. So here's the multi-million dollar question. In a world where everyone is fighting for your buyer's attention, how do people like us marketers and entrepreneurs who want to drive more sales without working around the clock or resorting to shady marketing techniques, how do we persuade more customers to buy from us? That's the question, and this show has the answers. I want you to think back to your childhood. Do you remember as a kid seeing one of those hand-drawn optical illusions? The ones where the image looks like a nice fluffy bunny, and then when you rotate the paper 90 degrees, it's a scary witch. Well, my friends, I'm here to tell you that your customers are just as perceptive as you were as a young child. Once they've seen the trick done, they're going to know better than to accept it at face value the next time. And this is very true in marketing. The lesson we learned here is that your customers are so much savvier than we give them credit for, yet marketers continually try to trick them into making decisions and buying things in a particular way. This is especially true when it comes to digital marketing. I'd be willing to bet you that most of your customers have been making purchases online for over a decade, and they've seen every trick in the book. That means that creating a real and honest experience for your customer is more important than ever. And the stakes, they've never been higher as the cost of acquiring customers through channels like Facebook and Google that just keeps continuing to rise. This is why today, more than ever, getting recurring customers, getting people to come back again and again, it's so critical. To help us understand how we can create amazing customer experiences that keep customers coming back and buying over and over, I'm pleased to be joined by Eli Weiss, the Director of Customer Experience at the beverage brand Olipop. Throughout our conversation, I want you to pay close attention to how Eli thinks about the whole buying experience his customers go through. In one terrific example, you'll hear why he considers streaming services like Netflix or Hulu as much of a direct competitor to Olipop as traditional sodas. Let's dive in and hear how Eli describes the problem Olipop solves to their customers and how he works to make the entire experience from purchasing for the first time right through to canceling as smooth as their drink. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. Olipop is a sparkling tonic that is essentially a healthier version of soda. It's got, you know, nine grams of fiber, five or less grams of sugar, and is under 50 calories. So the idea really is, is, you know, a standard soda has like 39 grams of sugar. And Olipop is a, is a version of that that has prebiotics, fiber and, and plant botanicals. So we like to call it a fun and fizzy drink that is actually supporting your digestive health. Fun and fizzy drink that supports your digestive health. I love it. I'm not a big soda drinker normally because I know that it's just such crap. And looking at Olipop, I'm like, you could like swap out your smoothie for this thing. <laughs> Guilt free. <laughs> 
a morning olipop. Like somebody <laughs> just just tagged us in that. You know, he's like, "This is this is my morning drink instead of instead of my coffee. I have an orange squeeze." And I'm like, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm here for it, right? I have a friend. He doesn't drink coffee, but he wakes up every morning and drinks like a liter of Pepsi. And to me, that is so repulsive. Wow. <laughs> if, <laughs> wow. If you want to get that caffeine and you don't like coffee, I can see I can see it. But like, I need to let him know about Olipop because he should, his um, wife is like a yoga instructor that like, you know, she's all about eating healthy. And here he is waking up in the morning, eating, <laughs> drinking a liter of Pepsi. No shame, so. in, the, no shame in the Pepsi game, right? <laughs> Incredible. Okay. So Olipop e-commerce company i checked you guys out online it looks like you have raving fans looks like you're growing quickly so let's talk about e-commerce a little bit and e-commerce brands specifically and tell me about a moment that kind of stood out for you where you saw an e-commerce brand doing something that maybe a traditional retailer just would never consider or think of I love that. It's actually hysterical that Olipop is a retail first brand that actually got super into e-commerce when when COVID hit and we went from, you know, three, four, five percent e-commerce to now closer to 30, 40 percent. And we've kind of taken a deep dive into into e-commerce and thinking like what we can do different, et cetera. And one of the for me, obviously, you know, Zappos is number one in terms of, you know, turning turning e-commerce into just a movement of, of experience. But one brand that I've been extremely excited about <laughs> over the last couple of years is Chewy. I think what they, you know, I've, I've spoken to a bunch of people that, that unfortunately had a pet that passed away and, and they called Chewy to cancel their monthly, you know, pet food subscription and Chewy sent them a massive bouquet of flowers. So I think oh. that there's this element of, of, catching people where they are. And in general, in most businesses, that would be like, okay, you're no longer a customer Buy. they're thinking like 20 years ahead. And they're thinking, if this person ever talks to a friend about it, if this person one day gets a new pet, and the, the brand equity they build when customers essentially would be on the way out is is incredible and something I've never seen any, you know, retail, <laughs> the retail brands do just yet. I love that example. I mean, I think that as I, I don't own pets myself, but I, you know, grew up with pets and I have friends who just have just incredible relationships with their pets. And it's like losing a member of your family. Mm-hmm. And for those people in that time, you know, even making that call or, you know, going into the unsubscribe site por- portion of the website, it's a sad moment. And so for them to be able to capture that and turn it into something that is just like, a bit more positive. I can only imagine that those customers, when you know they're going to rave about it, they're going to share that picture of that bouquet. It's going to be so unexpected, and they're going to, like you said, build that deep brand equity and want to come back when hopefully you know they decide to bring a pet into their life again. So, what a great example! Okay, so let's talk about subscription businesses and retention because. In the e-commerce game, there's a lot of businesses that understand it's not enough to just sell to somebody once. You want to be able to get them to come back to buy again and again. And subscription models are a really good way to do that. And so what's a common belief in the world of subscriptions and physical businesses that maybe you don't agree with? Is there anything that's kind of like out there that's taken as gospel that you say, hey, that's not quite right? Yeah, I love this question. I think that the the big misconception around subscription is that if you're selling a beverage, you're competing with 
other beverage brands. And, you know, if you're selling a soda, you're competing with soda brands. But I think when it comes to subscription, there is so many subscription options. And I think that there is a bunch of subscription fatigue where people are like, you know, there are so many monthly recurring charges. I have my Netflix and I have my my Hulu and and my Spotify and all that. And I think that you're competing with all of those. I think that obviously you're, you know, we're competing with, with anything else in a fridge. Like we're competing with the ketchup in your fridge because we're competing for that space, but we're also competing against anything that you're shelling out, you know, dollars monthly. And that's something that we think about very, very often is like, how are we bringing value and joy that can compete with your Netflix subscription? So, you know, if there's, if you come to a, to a conclusion and you look at your, at your wallet and you're like, wow, I've had 25 subscriptions active or six subscriptions or three. We hope that Olipop isn't the first one that goes. Oh my goodness. Eli, that's you gave me goosebumps. I think that's so smart. There's a book written by a gentleman, Alan Clement, and it's all about jobs to be done. And it's called when coffee and kale compete. And mm. like you said, you know, it's a lot of people, they think about their product, they think about the category that they're in. And they think that's my competition, right? Like they're going to pick up sodas at the store, instead of buying from me. But what you your team recognizes is so smart is that really, your competition is cost consciousness, (laughs) people scanning their credit card receipt and seeing what's on there, what they might need to curb. And your competition is I want to save for that vacation, or that, you know, new car, and I need to cut some things. And how you recognize that how do we deliver on the joy so that when they're looking to cut we're not the first to go ah genius okay (laughs) thank you so give me an example like let's dig into the meaty stuff so you work with the team on helping to create that customer experience that makes people want to come back again and again and so give me an example of a change that you actually made at olipop that sparked from a customer maybe that was planning to leave, or you'd seen customers leaving for this reason. And then you made a change that actually led to higher attention long term. Are there any examples that come to mind? Yeah, I, I think that there's so much of the, you know, one one interesting thing that we see pretty often is that a, a big portion of people that leave are leaving because they have too many cans in their refrigerator. And something we've been thinking through lately is, is there a way that we can give you a couple of days notice uh, before we ship your product and optimize for you to skip your order or push it out or, or change it or figure something else out that instead of you ending up with a situation where we sold a bunch of product and then you end up leaving, how can we get ahead of that? And, and something that we've been working with is, is a brand called Electric SMS that sends our, our subscription customers a text three days before they their order gets processed and essentially says, you know, we're preparing your order of cherry vanilla. Would you like to keep it on, on, you know, March 25th, or would you like to swap or skip or, you know, any, any of that stuff? So that's something that was super interesting and and has made a massive, massive impact. I think 70% of our active subscribers have at least once swapped a flavor or skipped an order. And then I think, you know, like, subscription as a whole, like there's, there's so much focus on the monthly recurring revenue. And there's probably less focus on like, but what's in it for them? And and how do we make them feel special to kind of get back on the point of joy, you know, like something that we've been obsessed with is like, how do we optimize their entire experience? So from the text platform, 
that, that I just mentioned to a direct email that we have that they can reach out to um, subscriptions at drinkolipop.com. We're always kind of putting them front and center. And <laughs> it's funny, we, we had, this was inspired by Chewy, but we had like this really heartwarming story a couple of, a couple of weeks ago where a subscription customer reached out that she wanted to cancel her subscription. And we just asked for feedback and we, we kind of got this story that she had been ordering it for her mom who was in, was in hospice care. And she used to have this root beer Olipop every single day. And that was the, like the highlight of her day. And her mom passed away. And this, this daughter, like, you know, thinking through like as a daughter to have to call and cancel these subscriptions that it, it's, it's like such a, it kind of, it kind of hit us. Like, this is like, we're bringing happiness to people. <laughs> um, and we ended up sending her this, you know, beautiful bouquet of flowers and, and a note from the team. And like, we, we've been in touch with this gal ever since, and she's now like p- part of our family, but it's like thinking through like the, the touch points that you have as a, as a subscription, you know, business, like these are all people. Like we, we think about mm-hmm. subscription as number, 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 but you know, with every person that leaves, there's a reason every person that joins, there's a reason and kind of dig, digging a little deeper and seeing what, we can learn from every one of these entries and exits has been so impactful. Okay, let's take a quick time out. If you're listening to today's episode, I bet you're already imagining how you can apply all these ideas to your work. But before you go out and eagerly rewrite all of the copy on your website or change your whole marketing strategy, first, I need you to ask yourself this very important question. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt, who your most valuable customer segment is. If not, you're in trouble. You don't have time to waste by chasing the wrong customers. Even with all of these ideas from our amazing guests, if you're chasing the wrong people, it's going to feel like an uphill battle. But if you're ready to stop wasting time on marketing that doesn't work and attract more dream customers, then I've got something you are going to love. I put together a free tool just for you. I call it my customer ranking calculator. Now in a matter of minutes, this quick exercise can help you to gain clarity around which customer segments you should focus on and which ones you may want to stop serving. That sounds good, right? So if you wanna download this free tool, head on over to customercamp.co forward slash calculator. That's customercamp.co dot co forward slash calculator. Okay, back to the show. I've done a lot of research for companies in the media space. And I was speaking with people who had canceled their traditional newspaper subscription. And you mentioned that, you know, this lack of fridge space being a trigger for people to go, okay, wait a minute, I, I should probably cancel. I'm not drinking them soon enough. And if they just show up and now they've got them sitting on the floor or they've got some on the counter and they're like, I'm really not enjoying these as much as I thought I would. Otherwise I'd be drinking more of them. There's like that visual representation of, I'm not getting what I wanted of this product. And when I talked mm-hmm. to the newspapers, like owners, they were happy that they're like, you know, I saw the garbage, I saw them piling up every day and they would be sitting outside of the, the garbage can and had, you know, more traditional newspaper companies thought around, well, maybe we should let people skip 
a week, you know, mm-hmm. or let them easily, you know, go down to two or three a week. Like people weren't thinking like that at that time. And so it's great to see how with subscription models, there's this advancement. And it's not just about do they like the soda? It's about how does the soda fit into their life? And what might be some of those trigger points that would make them want to walk away from their subscription? And how can a company like Olipop, instead of like just trying to offer a discount, which is not going to stop you from canceling (laughs) if you have no fridge space left, I think you're coming up with a really, really great solution. I think that the, the, the optimization of you know, the the older brands optimizing for a short term cash grab versus like a long term value is 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 pretty prevalent. And then on top of that, I think like we we have this idea that if a customer leaves or if a customer dislikes your product, that's the end. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that that's usually the beginning. Like we have so many customers that will reach out to us and be like, I didn't enjoy this flavor as much as I can or as much as I thought I would, right? And Instead, you know, our goal on on customer experience is always like offering the best possible interaction, whether or not you love or dislike the product you had. We we you know like we'll offer a customer a full a full refund if they disliked it, and they'll be like, "Wow, although I didn't love the product, like I'll be telling all my friends to give this a shot." And so many of their friends might love it, and we just we just gained twelve customers on on <laughs> on a customer that disliked us. So I think that's like you know, just thinking long term and kind of zooming out and thinking about a larger focus instead of like, a, how can I sell somebody a six or 12 month subscription up front, mm-hmm. and then they'll really dislike us in seven months has been huge for us. Absolutely. Like, I just tweeted something before we hopped on this call around, you know, the goal is really to build and maintain trust. And if mm-hmm. more brands started there and worked backwards to their campaigns and tactics, they'd sell more stuff. The problem is we don't start there. We don't think about how can we build and maintain trust. We think about how can I get more clicks through my website and how can I get more conversions on the cart page. But Ultimately, what it comes down to is what you're talking about, which is that positive word of mouth, that feeling of joy that customers have that make them want to talk about you and make them want to continue to invite your brand into their life. All right. So you mentioned value and you gave such an incredible example with the woman who had sadly lost her mother. Are there, can you give me another example of a time that Olipop may have provided value to a subscription customer, one that you might be particularly proud of? Yeah, a couple of months ago, actually, we had a, you know, during the kind of peak Q4, where shipping was all over the place. And there were delays with pretty much any courier. And and obviously, FedEx and UPS were saying that, you know, next day air doesn't really mean much, like we can't guarantee anything. We had a subscription customer that ordered that was waiting for Olipop that she was going to use for her super intimate wedding. And that it got it got stuck in the mail and i remember her reaching out literally two days before just being like this has been in the mail for over a week and a half and my, my wedding is on the weekend and we ended up kind of figuring out that we we had stock in a smaller warehouse on, on the east coast and ended up overnighting it and thankfully it got there in time but i think that's something that you know I, I know from my interactions with some larger brands you just kind of hit a wall where it's mm-hmm. like you you'll say like oh i'm waiting for it and they'll be like well it's still processing or like wait a month if it doesn't ship like i think the the idea that we've been trying so hard to focus on is how can we really 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 dive deep into people's stories and less focus on like 
these are the rules we play by. And if it's out of this, if it's out of the book, we, we have nothing we can do. And that's for me, that's been like massively inspired by, by Tony Shea um, from Zappos, right? It's like, how can we, how can we view this as like, these are all people and every customer we blow away is, is another super fan. And that was amazing. I was lucky enough to get to meet Tony. I was participating in a tech accelerator that he had funded in Las Vegas. And he, you know, he lived in a community there of Airstreams with like a live llama uh, well, of course, live, but like a, a, a llama that would just like freely rain, like roam around the property. And like most of the people that he lived amongst were all Zappos employees who were all living there as well. He was such an amazing and interesting person and clearly got something that I think so many big brands miss, which is if you want to create real momentum as a new company and a small player in a crowded space, like the soda space is one of the mm-hmm. biggest and probably most competitive spaces i mean coca-cola pepsi you've got giant goliaths that you're going toe-to-toe with and if you want to really have a chance to compete and thrive it's got to be based on that incredible experience and it sounds like your team really really gets that so tell me let's say hypothetically and it's actually not so hypothetical for me because my husband's work he has a um, direct consumer company we do boxes of epic meats we don't do a monthly subscription as of yet but it is something that we are looking at doing and you talk about stories you talk about responding to customers when they reach out what are some of the methods you're using to learn about your customers and engage with them yeah i think that the the common misconception is that you only learn from customers when they tell you what's going on. What we found is that hopping into the Instagram DMs, and if somebody mentions us, we'll kind of reply back and engage. We've learned more from just kind of, you know, having those non-formal conversations than most of the people that, you know, will send an email complaining. Like, I think that the, the rigidness around like, filing a formal complaint on email is, is usually a lot of pent up energy and, and frustration. And by the time it gets to you, there's, there's so much more that, that ends up in your inbox. And I think that the non-formal, it's something I do <laughs> when I have free time on a weekend, I'll just hop into the Olipop DMs and just start DMing people. And if, if you, if you posted a picture of, of our, of our drink, I'll hop in and be like, how was it? What did you like? What did you dislike? What did you find? You know, how did you find the shipping and delivery? What did you think about the unboxing? And just kind of jump in and have these conversations has been so, so, so meaningful for us to, to just continue learning. And that's something that I've been recently focused on. I love that answer. That leads me to another question. Before I go there, how do you then share that information with the team? So if you are jumping in and out of the DMs, maybe you have somebody else who's helping with managing your community as well. Is there any type of practice around how you communicate what you're learning about customers to the broader team so everybody kind of gets to benefit? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I think that the the larger focus on our end is how can we you know, we use Gorgeous as a, as a ticketing tool and how can we constantly tag? And then, you know, every week I'll, I'll export our tags and put it into a nice little presentation and, and kind of share with the team what are our big learnings. And if there's anything, you know, one week we'll see a bunch of tags on USPS issues. And we will have a conversation with our 3PL and say, it seems like 
this week has been pretty rough on USPS. Let's swap over to FedEx for most shipments and and make changes on on any of that stuff. And then obviously, if there's any supply chain things that come up, we we see those tickets kind of those tags go up. So we're we're monitoring tags and we make sure as a as a CX team, kind of the the shift between reactive and proactive is when you can take that information and keep passing it along, right? So we have been, you know, like between our team, there's there's always somebody in a marketing meeting and there's always somebody in the three PL weekly meeting and there's always somebody talking to, to supply chain. So we're 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 always passing on information and anything that we see as a as an upcoming issue, we try to pass on as quick as we can to kind of keep that really tight feedback loop because that's that's the power we have as a smaller brand compared to the larger ones is that we're super agile and, and we can move fast. Absolutely. And as you're talking, you know, it just gets me thinking, you know, as my husband's growing this business and we're looking at growing our team, when we're ready to make our first customer experience higher, like I want to find somebody like you. Like I want to find somebody who like on the weekends <laughs> is like DMing our customers just to try to understand them better so we can serve them better, so we can bring them more joy. So tell me like what type of skills should we be looking for when we're ready to make that first kind of like official customer experience higher? Yeah, I, I think I, I think the main the main kind of thing that I've learned over the last, you know, spending the last six, seven years in this is that there's a common misconception that customer experience slash customer service or support is like the is like the bottom of the business and where people jump into it. And I think that that's the largest misconception because, you know, I've I've worked as pretty as a generalist at, at a small startup and I've done a bunch of different roles. And customer experience is definitely the hardest, most most emotionally taxing part of of the job. Where it's like, if you're really good at it, you have a massive dose of empathy. Mm. And the catch twenty two of that is that massive dose of empathy will really stress you out when when there are things that you wish you can fix and you can't. So something I I look at very very closely is I'm I'm looking for somebody that is extremely passionate about making experiences better, unless as like a here's how I'll get into sales and marketing or whatever else I want to be at and. Something that I look for as far as qualification, I look for somebody that can really mirror off a, a conversation they're having in, in a healthy way and understand the, and catch a vibe on an email and, and know how to respond somewhat in the same, in a similar voice. Like I think that being able to bounce back somebody's energy is probably the most important part of, of this role. Whereas if somebody's super, super angry and you reply back with a very joyful and chipper message, that, that can probably really, really get them even more angry versus like responding back in a very sincere tone. And then if somebody's like super excited and joyful, bouncing back that same energy is, is probably the most impactful part of this part of this customer experience role. That's really good. And so you, you mentioned that like empathy is empathy is one of those things. And in, in marketing and in customer experience and really in any customer facing role, it is such a critical thing. But I find that some people, it, they come by it quite naturally, whereas mm-hmm. others may need more assistance. And to your point, maybe they need assistance in managing how much it affects them because they're mm-hmm. you know sitting at home on the weekend going through the DMs just wanting to help. So like in 
how have you continued to evolve your own ability to mirror back the tone of the customer, to know how to respond in a way that's going to be empathetic, yet still supports kind of the company's mission? Like, are there any tips you can share or any kind of learnings you've made or self-care things you need to do to to really be able to to do that role every day? Yeah, and it's funny because it's actually something that I ask on every interview. I ask, what do you, what do, you do when you're having a, a super, super stressed out and emotionally exhausting day? And the answer is always so drastically different. When people answer like, oh, I hop on my Peloton and take a ride, I'm always so jealous because imagine I did that. When I was stressed out, I'd be so, <laughs> I'd be so much healthier. Instead, I eat a bunch of chocolate bars and scroll through TikTok endlessly. But I think they're they're like the the correct answer to that is any sort of answer, like as long as it's something they're they're extremely aware of. And I think that the another common misconception on this is like you know if if there's free time in the day, you're not working hard enough. And I think that you know downtime is prep time when it comes to customer experience. So people that are very very emotionally aware and very very in touch with their reality, like I think you know. Olipop is a very, you know, mental health focused brand. And a lot of, you know, when we have interviews, a lot of things that come up are, yeah, I, I, I talk about this in therapy every week, or like, this is something that I'm very aware of. Like, I think self-awareness is step number one. And then making sure that you know your own limits. And for me, sometimes it's like, I, I know this is not the right time to kind of hop in and answer really aggressive emails on a, on a Sunday afternoon. And knowing when you need to just take a deep breath and recharge because I think that statistically customer experience is like has the highest burnout. And instead of, you know, just pushing through the the next hire and the next hire, it's like, how can we optimize for long-term and figure out what are things, something we focus on very often is like, we we constantly ask what are things you enjoy outside of CX? Mm -hmm. And we try to make sure that everyone on my team has other areas of the business they can dip their dip their toes into, whether it's like, you know, helping with affiliate marketing or helping with retention or, or helping with ops and figuring out what are things aside from CX you enjoy and, and balancing that. So it's not just all day kind of going through the ringer and yeah, optimizing for, for long term. As you talk, it just gets me thinking about, well, again, one of the things that Tony talked about in a lot of his work was it's not just about giving people kind of finding people who are empathetic and and hoping that they can do a great job with your customers. And it's not about giving them scripts to follow. There, it really sounds like at Olipop, there is a culture of support and everybody recognizing people are human and really caring about the team. And if that's, you know, if that's at the core of the culture, that then bleeds out into the customer experience, bleeds out is a little bit of a <laughs> negative yeah. term, but that then, you know, that then comes out into the customer experience. And I think that where companies, where a lot of companies go wrong is they think that you can take a person who's incredibly gifted at empathy and is, you know, a great communicator and drop them into what might be a toxic or unsupportive work environment. And that that person's going to be able to stay and perform in that role for a long time. And maybe that's when the burnout happens at a higher rate, because they might be bringing all that positive energy, the empathy for Mm -hmm. the customer. But if they're not feeling that support back to them through the rest of the team, that's got to lead to burnout. I love that you brought this up because this is something I I literally talk about all day is like customer service slash customer support slash customer experience. It doesn't matter what you call it, but in the last 
20 years, the, the way this was built out is like, you know, a few things. Number one, it's it's always the first part of a team that's outsourced. It's 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 always the first. And, you know, brands are like, we really, we care so much about it, but we, we outsource it and pay, you know, $3 an hour is interesting. And then the other part of it is, you know, customer experience as a role for the last 15 to 20 years has been like, you know, we hire somebody, we put them in the corner of the office with a super old MacBook Air right near the fire extinguisher. And we say, take this and go at war, right? And it's like every day, just come in and just handle all the issues that are coming from ops or coming from every other part of the business. We'll keep selling, we'll stay delayed on on production and on shipment, and you kind of deal with it. And that's kind of inherently where this, where this, you know, where this became a tough spot. And I think that for me, as I'm building out a team and as I'm like hiring some of the best and the brightest is like, how can we spin this around and empower this role to like, you are the front lines of the business. You are getting more information about the customer every day than we can pay six figures to a consulting firm to bring to us. And how can we empower people that they have the ability to take this information and now you're the voice of the customer in the marketing meeting you're the voice of the customer when we chat about a new flavor you're the voice of the customer across the business and that empowerment is actually what what really creates a a very 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 healthy workplace and it probably minimizes burnout massively because they're you know my team is is impacting every single part of the company and that's like for me the my five to 10 year prediction, I, I don't predict a lot of things, but my five to 10 year prediction is that customer experience, you know, as, as cost of acquisition keeps going up and as Facebook keeps turning that dial, customer experience and retention are going to be the most important things and, and are going to grow massively um, in the next five to 10 years, the same way it happened in software in the nineties, right? Where they hire customer success and they pay them six figures to essentially do what customer experience reps are doing at, D to C brands, right? Like making sure that our customers are happy before they come and complain and making sure they're getting the value out of what we're promising, et cetera, et cetera. So good. And I love that you're being so open. You're sharing how you're doing it at Olipop. What I also find so kind of like humorous is that oftentimes there are these brands that are just doing things that make sense and and they are you know they're crushing it their growth is happening like crazy and they will openly share them and the reason that they don't see it as like a competitive disadvantage to share is because so few brands will actually do the work <laughs> like they'll all yeah. like you know nod their head and they'll say of course we're customer focused of course we're customer led yep. <laughs> to your point but oh goodness we would never pay more than $4 for right? a customer experience we, we really do. yeah we over index right like it's like we we spend a lot of like we invest a lot of money in customer experience. And I I get this. Yeah, to your point, I get this question every day is like, how can I do exactly what you're doing? And my first question is, well, what does your team look like? Well, we have, you know, an outsource team and wherever, wherever. And I'm like, well, (laughs) so number one, (laughs) where do I start? Right? Mm -hmm. And that's it. Everybody wants the outcome without the effort. That's so true in all things in life. And Olipop is actually delivering that. <laughs> and, you know, that's when products are magic, where you can have the deliciousness of a soda without having to like then go burn it off <laughs> because it was yep. 400 calories. But in life, we always were looking for outcomes without the effort. And then when people like yourself are sharing their playbook and they're saying, this is how you do it. And companies go, yeah, but, <laughs> and, yep. they, and so I, lo- I love that you're sharing so freely. So selfishly, I'd love to chat with you a little bit about 
when you joined the team, were you on the team before the move to, you know, e-commerce really being a dominant part of the of the company? That's a good question. I, I joined when it was kind of slowly rising. I joined in June. So I, I think that e-commerce kind of started exploding in like April, May. And kind of, yeah, I think since then, like when I joined, we we kind of, I joined in June and mid to end of July was when we kind of made a couple of switches on on subscription and that mm-hmm. started taking off and started optimizing on, on e-com a lot. The team went from like one or two people on e-com to, to 10, 15 people on e-com and, and it's it's slowly transitioning into like a big portion of our of our business. But yeah, I mean I I, I guess I joined like fairly early on. This is what I want to know, because as I said, you know, my husband's running his business now. We're not doing it subscription style. It's a monthly box. We're looking at a subscription model. And so what I'd love to learn from you is being on the, you know, the, the ground floor as the company's looking at really putting energy and emphasis into the subscription. Tell me a little bit about what were some of those conversations like? Like what were some of the Mm -hmm. things that you knew you needed to focus on and you know, maybe what were some of the pitfalls that you, things that happened yeah. that you didn't expect? It's funny. I've actually been <laughs> been chatting about this yesterday. I was thinking through a, and this might end up on Twitter, just kind of some learnings I've learned pretty early on on subscription as, we, as we've been growing this beast. I'm about to dive a little deep on this, but the, the main reason why people are not thrilled about subscription from my understanding is number one, you know, the Comcast of the world where it's like, knowing you're about to sell your soul because you're going to have an impossible time getting out of it is, is number one. Number two is like people end up getting bored of whatever they're getting after having it for three months. They're like, yeah, I don't know. Like this is delicious, but like I'll try something else in the aisle. I'll go into the supermarket and try something new. There are so many. And then number three is like, if somebody loves your product at the end of the day, it's like having it, you know, one time is, is, is fair, but then having it every month, it, it can get expensive. So those were the kind of two frictions we saw. And I think that so many brands focus on how do I add extra value to a subscription? Like how do I build out community, et cetera, et cetera, without spending time on focusing, how do I remove friction? And I think that's number one is like, first, spend six months removing any possible friction and making sure this is the most seamless experience ever, and then kind of focus on community. And I think for us, it's like, so for number one, like the the issue that people are terrified that they won't be able to get out of a subscription. We we put that front and center, cancel anytime. We'll send you a text before your order. We'll give you that prompt. Please skip your order if, you, if that's not, if it's not, you know, going to work this month. Just type cancel and press send and that's it you're out has been like a really good solution for number one and then on the other two things of you know like price and and just kind of getting bored of the same flavor we're pretty early on when you when you sign up for a subscription and and you're after your second order or third you'll you'll generally get an email that says like we know you've been enjoying this flavor and we hope you love it but here are some of the others and give it a shot, like swap. And and we want customers to find their forever flavor. Like we want them to find one they love, even if it means trying one, disliking it, we'll, we'll send them something else instead. Just for us, like with, if within the first 60 to 90 days, when you find the flavor you're obsessed with, that's our, that's our best bet. And then on price is like, how can we make this a really, really impactful offer that it's like for us, it's like 15% off every single order. 
has been super, super helpful on that, on that other, on that other part. One of the big takeaways for me is I think that you're so right as brands think about how can we offer more value without necessarily taking up more shelf space or without necessarily Mm -hmm. including more in the box because we've got margins to think about. And yeah, they go to community. Well, let's add community. Let's drop in community. And then people will want to stay for that. But yeah, you're right. Ultimately, it's like, first think about all of the friction that might be in your experience, the reasons why somebody might be considering canceling. Try to work out that first and then see where you are before you just assume you need to add the you know you can it's easy to take things away it's harder to add that's that's absolutely true awesome okay so for our listeners today that are in e-commerce that maybe are actively running a subscription-based business or are considering it like like we are and they know that they want to up their customer experience game can you leave me with like kind of like one like success story or one tip that can really get them motivated to go along and do that? Uh, Yeah, I think that the most important thing to think through when you're doing that is this a product that will fit into somebody's daily or weekly or monthly life. And then if it is, and if people are repurchasing your product, just give it a go. (laughs) I think making a making a super duper enticing offer is number one but at the end of the day is like if this is something that fits into their into their life there's there's no reason not to give it a go so awesome and Eli you said you were going to share you were working on maybe a tweet thread you're going to share it sounds like you share some of your wisdom online where should people follow you and keep up with what you're doing yeah um they can find me on twitter it's at Eli Weiss, E-L-I-W-E-I-S-S-S. So a third S at the end. And then find, you know, just follow what we're doing at Olipop. It's at drinkolipop on all social and drinkolipop.com. Awesome. We're going to add those links in the show notes. You've been an absolute delight. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Hey there. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. I absolutely love getting nerdy with you and our guests each week. It is just so much fun. And speaking of nerdy marketing stuff, have you heard about the power of reciprocity in marketing? Reciprocity is one of the best methods you can use to persuade people to take action. It's simple. Give something small for free before you ask for a sale. You see this all the time in marketing. Sometimes it's a free sample, a free trial, or even a free podcast like this one. With that in mind, I've got a small favor to ask. If you've gotten at least one aha moment while listening to the show, could you go to Apple Podcasts and give Customer Show a five-star rating? It'll only take a few seconds, and ratings are really the best way to help new people discover the show. I see every rating, and I'm beyond grateful for each one. And who knows? Maybe one day you'll need something from me, and then I can return the favor for you. So thanks again.